Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to lose fat, gain muscle, or improve your health, or all of the above? Interested in working with me one-on-one? Stop spinning your wheels, because I offer personalized coaching where I can help you reach your goals, whether it be fat loss, muscle building, improving your health, or all of the above. I provide tailored nutrition, training, and supplementation advice, one or all of them together, with 24-7 ongoing support to help guide you every step of the way. You can email me at scott.mize at gmail.com, click the link in the description of this episode to schedule your free consult call to go over your goals, answer questions with no obligation. Let's take your physique or health journey to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. A lot of people ask me about organ meats. Do you need to eat organ meat? How, how do I eat organ meat? And Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. They created a unique organ complex from grass-fed animals in New Zealand. It includes nine different organs, liver, brain, heart, thymus, kidney, spleen, pancreas, and taking just six capsules is the same as eating an ounce of raw organ meat from the butcher. I've been personally using Optimal Carnivore for years. My wife and I, I use it almost every single day. It's great when I don't have fresh organs available, don't feel like eating them, don't feel like cooking them, or if I'm traveling, I know I can get a variety of super high quality organs daily. Um, and they have lots of different products from their beef liver product to their organ complex to their brain product and their, their bone and marrow product. They have excellent products filled with highest quality ingredients and you can get 10% off your order and support the show by going to the link in the description of this episode and using the code carnivore10 at checkout. That's carnivore10 to save and support the show. Thank you. Judy Cho is returning to the podcast for the fifth time. I've had her on the show more than any other guests, and there's a good reason for that. She's brilliant, compassionate, and extremely driven to find answers for her clients and audience. If you missed our first four episodes, please check them out. I'll have links below. And Judy is the founder of Nutrition with Judy, a practice that helps patients and clients with a wide array of health challenges by focusing on root causes and using the Carnivore Cures meat-only elimination diet, in addition to a lot of other things. Judy is board certified in holistic nutrition and certified nutritional therapy practitioner. She's also the author of Carnivore Cure, Meat-Based Nutrition, and the Ultimate Elimination Diet for Optimal Health. Welcome back to the show, Judy. Thank you. I didn't realize I've been on five times. That's cool. Yeah, I was surprised too. <laughs> I was like looking through um, because before I have any guest on, I like searched through the old episodes and show notes to see what we talked about. And I was like, wow, Judy, one time was with Laura. Um, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, it's been, it's, this is the fifth time. So you're okay. beating Sean Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I, it's an honor. It's always fun to talk with you. Yeah. So we, we were just catching up before the show and you were like, let's hit record so we can talk about this on air, which I really appreciate. Um, so yeah, I feel like you're, 
your brand and your business and the content you're putting out has expanded so much um, since we last spoke. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't talk a ton about my business side just because, I mean, that's not what people follow up my content for. It's yeah. more nutrition and wellness and like, what are the new tips of the day and stuff? Yeah. But um, I think I joined the whole nutrition space and you and I are both in that consulting space or I was in that consulting space. And so everything that I've done ever in my life has always been, how do we maximize efficiencies, effectiveness? How do we get things to market that make sense, that save cost savings and such? And so I will always have that hat. I've been in that space longer than I've been in the wellness space. And when I was first joining the wellness space, it was just for me to share about carnivore because I healed so much from it. I only saw keto graphics. Nothing was carnivore. And I thought, well, carnivore needs its graphics. I have a skill set in that. And I just shared because I was on disability and I needed something else to do. Um, and, and it took off and I didn't know what I was going to do with this. I just thought, if anything, I'll go back to nutritional therapy school because I have a passion for it. I want to be able to feed my kids well. And then it just became this whole business. And as I've been in this space, I always thought other doctors or more established people would take the reins of carnivore. And I was totally willing to do the support and just, you know, for whatever reasons. And as I've been in the space longer and I've worked with a lot more carnivores in a very, very deep and um, I guess more root cause healing. So we get to play with a lot of the more complex cases in the carnivore space. And I just realized that if I want some stuff done, like I just might have to do it myself. Right. So it's that whole, the maximum efficiency. So um, maybe we have to just release more studies. Maybe we have to be the ones that are going to take the front of carnivore. And, and I, I never wanted to play that role, but I just felt like I had ideas and visions of where carnivore can go. Um, I think the way that we will truly, for example, have an imprint in people's minds of this is a legitimate diet and healing modality is if we have published studies. And I think the questionnaire from Harvard is super important and great, and it's a good step in the right direction, but people want data. People don't want, well, that was a questionnaire. It's going to be biased because people that love carnivore and fine, that's all true, but the numbers still speak for themselves. But I think if we want to show, here's a clinical study of X amount of people that were carnivore, and here's all this, um, the illnesses that have improved based on their diet. Those are the things that the medical practitioners will then say, maybe I can use that as an elimination tool for people that are not fully healing in my practice. And I think that's how we can truly move the needle so that this is not just a pop culture diet and elimination diet. And so my husband and I have been working on nutrition with Judy for a while now, and we have grown our business and our vision is really to lead this um, and uh, with other people, right? So like Dr. Baker with Rivero, and it's just, I, I know that this is the right tool for so many people that are sick. And it doesn't mean you have to be on it forever, but figuring out that it is a modality that medical practitioners should consider is so important to me that we are willing to, you know, work with the one-on-ones to learn where carnivore doesn't work fully and see, see how we can find nuances or adjacent modalities that we can then support. But then we can also publish studies based on this stuff that we're learning. And that is where now I'm like, okay, I'll put on the business hat of, we need more revenue so that we can do all these things. Um, and so we're not the cheapest, but it's because I have visions to publish studies. And I hope that 
by next year, we'll publish a true carnivore study based on clinical cases. That's amazing. And yeah, I, I think of it not as like you're, you're trying to get more money. You're just, it's very clear, like from hearing you speak and people know you, you're just trying to provide as much value as possible and you can provide more value. You can have a bigger impact with these things, with having uh, a bigger business, having um, a bigger uh, impact on studies and research that all comes together. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and one thing you've spoken about a lot, Judy, in your recent content and really from the beginning is root cause healing. Can you explain what root cause healing means to you and um, like what a practical example of that is? Yeah. So right before I say that, uh, one thing I just want to say is at a certain point in my practice, I was telling my husband, I'm good with where we are. And I now <laughs> want to just kind of coast. Yeah. And he made this thing about, I know you don't really care that much about money just because when I was a consultant, I did very well for myself, but I yeah. was in the darkest places. I was super depressed, you know, all of those things. And I just thought, okay, I hit every materialistic thing I wanted, but why am I so unhappy? Yeah. And so I realized <laughs> that money, yes, you need money. There's no question about that. And not having money, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs you will be completely unwell and um, lots of things will be, you'll feel duress and uh, lots of other things. But once you have money, whether you have like the normal amount that you could survive off of versus like being a bazillionaire, there's not a big differentiator in terms of happiness. And I fully understand that because I went through that whole journey. So for me, it was never about money, assuming that we can, you know, take care of our home and cost needs. But my husband made a point of, you want to do all these things and you want to sort of change the world or help people change the world. You need money to do that. And I think it's when he turned that and talks about like Bill Gates and the, like how people can change. I think that's when the, the flip switched for me where I, I, or the switch uh, turned for me and I realized, okay, I get it now. And so if we really want to make an impact, we have to work towards getting finances and getting other things because that's how you're going to make movements. It's not just my little itty bitty practice serving a hundred carnivore clients that will move the needle for them. But if we really want to move the needle in our society, we need to do bigger things. And so if God put me up to this, like I'll do it. So anyways, so yeah, that's really well said. <laughs> to totally agree. And I can absolutely relate to that coming from a consulting background too. And so that all said, uh, root cause healing is really just not using anything as band-aids long-term. So it's really just getting to why is there a hormone imbalance? Why is there a gut imbalance? Why are you not sleeping? You know, why do we need these band-aids, whether it's like a supplement, whether it's uh, protocols, whether it's even the carnivore diet, why do we need these band-aids to be our best? And, and then without them, we don't feel as good. And I just think that our body always has a biofeedback where it's basically sharing this is imbalanced because something's wrong. And it is then our brain's duty to figure out, well, what is more root cause? That's the issue. And so when being in the carnivore space, for me, my diet was my root cause issue, maybe with some gut imbalances, maybe with some therapy and stuff that I needed. But when I started in practice using carnivore and the all meat elimination diet, I saw there was a subset that wasn't fully healing. And that's when I realized for those people, carnivore is more of a band-aid because when they're on it and super strict or super perfect, they feel better a little bit, but not enough. And so that's when we would dig more and consider maybe it's environment, maybe it's your lifestyle stressors, maybe it's trauma from your past. And root cause is truly just figuring out for your individual case, 
what is wrong that's causing you to not be like the average person that can eat McDonald's and Pizza Hut and be kind of relatively healthy. Yeah, I, I think that's such an awesome approach and something that's not talked about enough um, in this community. It's like kind of like, you know, carnivore or will cure all or um, if if you're not getting results, you're you must be doing something wrong with the diet. Um, but I think carnivore is a huge stepping stone for a lot of people. It can make a massive difference, um, but it, it doesn't get everyone all the way there. Um, right. And so being able to cover some of these other things is really important. Um, and one thing you've talked about a lot recently on your channel, um, and it seems like you face pushback for it. I, I'd love to ask you okay. why, <laughs> is um, uh, chronic inflammation and SIRS. Um, can you talk about first what it is, if any of the listeners aren't familiar, why you've decided to focus on it, and we can go from there. Yeah, so I think from the very beginning of being in practice and not just being on social media, so social media is where I got started, but our fundamental, what we spend most of our day on is our clinical practice. So we share on social media what we learn in our practice, and so I think that's where, even when I wrote my book, it was just carnivore harder, right? You just you, yes, use some supplements, get some gut healing, do these things, but carnivore should fix everything. And the thing is, it won't, not with everyone. And, and I really wish that was true. But when we have a subset of our community that does not heal enough through clinical practice and working with these people day in and day out, and they challenge that thought, then we can no longer stay dogmatically and say carnivore fixes everything because it doesn't. And I can challenge anyone that says, no, 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 you're wrong. It'll fix Lyme. It'll fix this. It'll fix that. And it's like, we have data that it doesn't. So, and I, and it's not that our patients are, or our clients are not carnivoring harder or they're lying to us. It's they have other illnesses and infections and you cannot fix an infection with a diet. You can't, you just, you can help calm your immune system a little bit with gut function, right? And with all the less noise of all the toxic processed foods and ultra processed foods, but you cannot fix something sometimes with just meat alone. And that's just a, um, a lot of the, the, I try to challenge a lot of the status quo because I know it hurts my patients and our clients. And so then I know that then there's people that we don't work with in our community that hear all the miraculous stories and want to, I know that this diet will fix X, Y, Z I have. And then when they don't have that, they think that they're not good enough, that it's the diet, that they're not doing it right enough. And that's why they're unwell. And I want to challenge it of, let's not be dogmatic. This diet is very, very powerful and strong and all the benefits that we've all seen ourselves. But sometimes we also need other modalities and we should be open and okay to that Rather than saying, no, you need a carnivore harder. You need to remove the seasonings. You need to remove the sweeteners. You need to remove the coffee. It's not just that we're drinking a cup of coffee that we're still sick. Like just if we take a second away and just logically think about that, it doesn't make sense. The average person drinks coffee and they're decently okay. So is you do you really think that your chronic illness is not removed because of coffee alone? And so that's where I challenge. Um, we, we again, share things that are nuanced in our practice and I'll get flack for it. Right. So when I shared about liver and vitamin A, that was because of people in my practice and doing hair mineral tests and seeing excess copper. And so this was another one. Um, we had a few people that did mold testing through urinary mycotoxin tests, and it's not the best test to use, 
but that's what got me into this rabbit hole of mold. And what serves is it's chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And just the super basic version of it is that it's your immune system has gone awry. So your immune system is trying to release messengers through cytokines to let the body know, hey, you need to remove toxins from your body. But there's a subset, a it's like 24%. I challenge and wonder if it's even more of the population than that, that is actually suffering with this, in, with this chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So when they are exposed to mold, when they're exposed to like Lyme and they go through treatment, maybe they can't uh, detox the die off. And so there's just a subset of the community that will get sick. There's like a certain trigger in their life, or maybe it's that they were always kind of ill when they're younger and then something blew up. Maybe they got COVID and they are sicker than ever. And now it just doesn't shut off. And maybe carnivore doesn't work as good as before. I'll hear people say, I cheated during Christmas and now carnivore doesn't work as well. And it's just like, or there's something more underlying and now your immune system can't hang with it as it did with carnivore. So I think that's when you should dig deeper. And we're finding that a subset of the carnivore community, you know, you're unwell enough that you're willing to go meat only. And once you go meat only, there's a lot of people that will feel so much better. But for some people, they'll hit a wall and some people will just never get better. And um, obviously there's a, you have to be honest with yourself. Are you doing the diets um, strictly enough or well enough? But beyond that, after three, six months, if you're not moving the needle enough, I would consider your environment. And that's what SIRS is. It's basically chronic inflammation that stems, stems from water damage buildings. So if you think about it, I, I like to give the example of a fish in a fish tank. So if you're a fish, you eat the best foods. Yes, you will strengthen your fishiness, right? And But if your water in that tank is bad, you will only be as healthy as that water in that tank. And I think that since COVID, since uh, being in our homes, since being in our place long, and we're indoors so much more. I wonder how much of our illness is also the environment and we're making our bodies stronger, but we're breathing in nonstop, whether it's VOCs, whether it's the water damage, the bacteria, the, the, um, the mycotoxins, the mold spores that are in the air and we're breathing that in. I mean, we get COVID from breathing in, right? So what if there's bacteria and not so healthy stuff in your homes because we had water damage that was um, growing and these are all living organisms and, and then it makes us sick and we just think, oh, it's the food that we're eating, the food. And at a certain point, if we're honest with ourselves and our diet is relatively clean, maybe it's actually the environment that we should also be looking into. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've certainly found that myself and with people I've worked with. And um, you mentioned the urine test for microtoxins from mold. What are some of the other ways you like to test um, with your clients for chronic inflammation? Yeah, so um, the urine test is not ideal. And the basic reason is, um, so we will still occasionally use it as just a additional test to measure, but it's not ideal because we release mycotoxins. Say that we ate grains and the grains had some level of mycotoxins. If you pee out that and you just happen to take the test at that time, there might be some level of mycotoxins or mold from that food in your urine, but you don't know if that was a healthy response because you had something that was contaminated. There's no 
measure, right? Other than that you are peeing that out. It could be that you're sick from mold, but it could also be that you're just having a healthy response. There's no control in that sense. And you don't know what you were like a week ago or a month later. So that's where that, and and it's also not just evidence-based. The chronic inflammatory response syndrome that Dr. Shoemaker um, has researched and published is more based on blood work. So the first way to really test if you're suffering from this is if you have the symptomology, there's 13 symptom clusters. I'll give you the link if you want to put in the show notes, but there's a simple vision test you do. And it's, um, I think it's like $15. You just test, you could test on your computer. And if you're not able to see these squiggly lines, that can be an indicator. You, you failed your vision test. And then there's symptom clusters. Like, do you fit into eight of the symptom clusters that are um, that are present. And so once, if you fail the vision and you uh, fit into the symptom clusters, the next step is to do blood work. The blood work is not cheap. Each marker generally costs about a hundred dollars. So you can always do a subset of it, but if you one have the genetic markers, so if you fall into that 24% of the population, there's a high chance you're suffering from this illness. And then there are cytokine or inflammatory markers we test for. So as much as people say this is not a real disease or mold is everywhere, explain to me why your TGF beta one, which is a cytokine, why your MMP9 is high or your, um, there's an interesting one is your ADH marker, which is your anti-diuretic hormone. That marker when it's low um, is causes the inability for your kidneys to retain water. So you're always thirsty. You're peeing it out though constantly because your ADH is not high enough. And so I wonder with carnivores that say, I can never balance my minerals. Is it that you're not eating carbs? So you're retaining less water already as it is. And then now you're noticing that you're always having lead cramps or you're having mineral imbalances, no matter what you do in the carnivore space of taking mineral supplements or drops or it's salt or calcium or magnesium or potassium, nothing is balancing it. Maybe you're that much closer to root cause. And so maybe you test your ADH vasopressin, it's a marker you can go to LabCorp and test. And if that marker is low, it doesn't matter what mineral you're taking, you have to rebalance that hormone. And oftentimes that's low because of this chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So I just wonder a lot of the people that then say, see, I add carbs and now my minerals balance. No. How do you know? It's just that you're retaining more water. And so you don't feel the mineral imbalance. And these are the things I challenge. And we have data now like the, that I can back my, what I'm sharing. Yeah. And um, you, you've talked more and more about uh, minerals and electrolytes. What do you think are some of the things that people commonly get wrong with electrolytes on a ketogenic or carnivore diet? So there's four macro minerals. It's calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium. Um, and then what we find with the hair mineral test. So basically I know some people say that it's not the most accurate test. So be it, but it's supposed to see three to four months of your intercellular uh, function of your minerals. So what we find is there's basically two types of mineral metabolizers. And so there's like fast oxidizers and slow. And so all that means is when you're fast, you burn through your minerals faster. And then when you're slow, it takes longer. So these people are also on the more slow metabolism, um, hypothyroid. And so what we find is majority of the people fall into the slow metabolizers and those people probably need a little bit more salt and they need a little bit more of the minerals. Whereas the fast metabolizers, what we found 
Um, I know it sounds logically, it doesn't make sense. Like as a fast metabolizer, you would think that you would go through salt faster, but we find for some reason that the fast metabolizers actually need less salt. So I wonder, again, it's, it's that nuance of, I wonder if that's why carnivores split with salt, right? Some people say I do so well with salt or I need extra salt. And then there's some people that say, oh, I do better with less salt. I wonder if it's just the metabolism that's different. And so both yeah, can be hold, hold true. Yeah, that's, sorry to interrupt. I was just no, no, going to no, say, fine. if you look at research, there's a lot of research on caffeine metabolism. Mm. And a lot of the research when I was looking at it, because I was trying to understand like, how, how does this affect how long caffeine can stay in your system? And I was frustrated because I was just finding all this research showing like, based on your caffeine metabolism, how much do people drink? And it was interesting. It was the same thing. People with a fast caffeine metabolism often prefer and need less caffeine um, because they feel the effect so quickly and so strongly. Um, so yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive. You might think that people with a fast metabolism would need more because it's getting processed, but actually they, they end up needing less. So it's interesting that it's similar with salt. Right, right. So it it just depends. And that's why I always say like more than what you see online, more than what some big advocate or MD or practitioner or even myself or yourself say, try it yourself, dabble, do a food and mood journal and figure out what makes sense for you. And then at a certain point, if you know an honest, earnest self that carnivore is not working enough where the diet, you can't get a more perfect diet than carnivore in terms of elimination, right? So if carnivore is not moving the needle enough, you're eating sufficiently, you're eating sufficient fat, you're eating maybe multiple times a day. So you're not just stuck on OMAD, but beyond that, if it's not moving the needle enough where your sleep, your hormones are not rebalancing and, and you've given a good earnest try. I think you should look deeper. And I think it's a mistake when we say, no, 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 this is a diet. And it's like, what if your fish tank is dirty? And that's the part that our community needs to really challenge. And I know that we really want carnivore to fix everything. And it does help a lot, but I think it's a big major milestone. And if not the only milestone for many people, but beyond that, you have to wonder, I mean, if our environment is dirty, then we're just going to be only as good as the environment plus our diet. Yeah. And and what are some of the ways in which you, the first steps you take with clients or patients um, to correct for environment um, or try to ro- lower chronic inflammation, um, assuming they're already using a, a well-formulated carnivore diet? Yeah. So the first step of the Dr. Shoemaker's um, or the SERS protocol, Shoemaker protocol is that you clean your environment. Um, that That is very expensive and tricky. So if you can't fix where you're staying, you, maybe you make a room very clean. So you make sure that there's no, like there's no evidence of water damage ever in that place. Um, you don't have like an old AC or HVAC unit that's re blowing in moldy spores. Um, that's a very common issue that people will change their HVACs or change their filters, but never look inside the unit to see, is there actually mold growth? And then it's just blowing that mold into your homes all the time. Um, and then get an air filter, a quality air filter or purifier that will um, provide clean air in that room. And so you create like a safe haven if you can't fix your home and then you can start healing there. And then you have to work with a practitioner to go through the whole uh, shoemaker protocol, just because there are binders and other polypeptides or sorry, peptides that um, are prescription grade. So that's that nuance, not the not all the 
general supplement binders will work. And we have seen that again with the data of the blood work we pull from people. We've seen people on glutathione, activated charcoal, um, bentonite clays, silica, a lot of these binders that can help a little bit and they'll make you feel a little bit better because maybe you're pulling heavy metals, maybe you're pulling other toxins in your system, but it will not get to that root cause of chronic inflammation. And I know some of our uh, community will say, well, I don't have chronic inflammation. I test my insulin. I test my, uh, I tested my CRP and all of those are low, but that's only one side of the inflammatory or our immune system. There's a whole immune system that we don't test for often. Sometimes rheumatoid, um, rheumatologists will test, for example, your TGF beta one that's in another immune marker. So there are other inflammatory markers that you can test. It's on my website that you can ask your doctor to, and they might ask you, why do you want to test this? And just say, I have inflammation and I just want to see if these cytokines are elevated. And if they are, it's likely that you're suffering from, um, an environmental illness or an infection like Lyme can also increase those markers too. And it's not, even if you're on a well-formulated carnivore ketogenic diet. Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, mold and water damage is so underappreciated and also can be so devastating to people, um, for such a long time because, uh, people don't often think of it or it's not talked about a lot. And so it's something that's often, um, takes a long time to understand the root cause. Um, and, and those people are very lucky to find someone like you. Um, but a lot of times they're not, um, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, we think about asbestos and DDT in our lawns and we think about glyphosate, right? These are all sprays that when you inhale it, it's even worse. Inhaling is probably the worst. Um, than other mechanisms like compared to digestion, because hopefully your digestive tract will kill a lot of the pathogens. So if you think about that, then what about mold or other things that are in our homes? I mean, some people are sensitive to new paint smells and it's because maybe you're not detoxing as well. Your liver and kidney functions need more support. And I just think at a certain point where our community is doing a disservice when we say, it's just the diet, carnivore harder, do this harder. It, and it doesn't even have to be carnivore. It could be keto. It could be paleo. It is not always just the diet. If your environment, even if it's the school or the office building you're living, living in or breathing in for eight hours a day, if it is not a clean building, I mean, we think about toxic fumes, right? Of like when we're building things or making things and we say, oh, those are so toxic. Your natural environment can be breeding toxic things. And not, it's not to fear monger, but it's just, if you're not well enough, like it's true, you cannot get rid of all mold, but you just, it's kind of like that carb tolerance that we talk about a lot in our, our community. So some people will add in carbs. So then the question is, well, how many carbs can I add in? And it's just whatever amount of grams of carbs you can tolerate that will still keep your blood sugar balanced. Right. And so that would be that carb tolerance. So I think it's the same thing for mold with mold. It's very much it's not about removing all mold because you're right. It's impossible to remove all mold, but it's what level of mold tolerance can you tolerate? And for some people that have been chronically ill, their place has to be pretty spick and span. I think for me, for example, I can have a little bit more and be more tolerant and it's just finding that tolerance for your individual needs. Yeah. And and why do you think it seems like I haven't actually read or seen any um, of this, but you, you put out a video recently, like kind of explaining to your audience why you're focusing more 
on chronic inflammation and how it's not a departure from your core message and um, the the core of nutrition with Judy. Why did you feel the need to put that out? And have you faced like pushback about talking about SIRS? And, and if so, why do you think that is? I feel like I've always put out a little bit controversial information just because, you know, it's, uh, again, I'll share what's in my practice and it's like the golden nuggets. Those are the golden nuggets, right? You work with certain people that totally challenge the narrative that's out there. And so I think I've always had a little bit of that nuance. Either it's too complex information that I'm sharing or too nuanced. Just tell me what meat to eat and fix me, right? But that's normally not what we see in our practice. And then with SIRS, we, I shared a, so what happened was I had somebody on that was a former carnivore that then turned repeat and then now is just like, oh my gosh, it's been the environment this whole time, right? Not the carnivore was the issue. And, and so in that conversation, people were just saying, oh my gosh, Judy is on this like bender for SIRS and she's obsessed with it, like move on from it. Like we don't need to know this anymore. And, and I totally get that. If you're not suffering from SIRS or you don't think you're suffering from SIRS, it's a, it's a, avenue or a rabbit hole I'm going in that you may not feel is advantageous for you. And I just got enough when normally I'll ignore the comments and I don't generally read them, but it just got to a point where I just felt like, look, there are a lot of people suffering from this. SIRS is not a cheap treatment. And if I can provide one expert's opinion and we can't afford to meet with all these different doctors, maybe it'll help the subset of my community or the subset of the people that are sirs that are sick, that can get more tips than just their doctor. So it's like a financial benefit for them, right? That I'm sharing the expert um, opinions. But I think for carnivores that are like, just tell me what you eat in a day or the five best foods for carnivore. Like, sorry, that's maybe that's not the content I will be putting out. But if you want that, there's so many other good resources and I'm totally supportive of that. But, and so I was just trying to say, Look, like I know every time I put out source content, my rankings drop and I know that and I still share it because I'm hoping to help the underserved. SIRS is not talked about enough. So it's not even carnivore. It's the other people that are suffering from SIRS or Lyme or chronic illness. If they need more support, I'm willing to do that because that is a subset of my community or our clientele and I'm willing to help them. But I also know from a carnivore perspective, it's just like, what is this information that you keep sharing about that I don't care about? And it's just like, fine, don't care about it. Maybe you can learn about it that if you have a friend that has done carnivore because you've done it, but they're not healing, maybe their environment is bad. And now you have another solution that you can recommend. I just don't like the dogmatism. And I really am trying to have people open their eyes and be more empathetic. And I think that's the reason I shared it. It was just, I felt like I was in a rock and a hard place with the community with the SIRS community wanting more and then me struggling to find that balance, but just trying to like have a dear diary moment of like, look, this is why I'm doing it. If you don't like my content, go watch someone else's. I'm totally fine with that. But I, I just, I always like, we challenge status quo to come to carnivore, but then when we get into carnivore, then we also get stuck in this status quo. And yeah. it's like, no, yeah. we should always be challenging status quo because one day like Dr. Saladino was super pro strict, strict carnivore and left. And, and it's because he challenged status quo and his belief is that he needs to do whatever he's doing. But we have to say we're people, science evolves and we have to be open and flexible and find what works for us. 
And if SERS is not the thing for you, just don't watch it. And that's fine. But you don't have to put hate out there because it's not what fits your narrative. And I will always challenge that. And I'm okay if I don't have many followers because of that, because that's never what I've been standing for. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the, the followers you have, Judy, are the people who will stick with you and the people who see that for what it genuinely is. Because you could very easily go and make like a thousand reels and TikToks of like the one carnivore food you're not eating or like you're doing carnivore wrong and just like get a ton of attention. Or like you said, the five foods I eat on carnivore like over and over again. But it's clear that you're like seeking knowledge, seeking answers, trying to help people, especially trying to help people who are the most desperate and most need help. And that's really commendable. Um and yeah, I think it's interesting, as you were saying that, I was thinking, um, yes, carnivore takes like a certain level of questioning dogma to get into it um, and open-mindedness, but also staying carnivore, like the people like you and I and everyone else who's stuck with a carnivore diet, you also have to be a bit rigid and a bit um, like closed off because everyone is telling you, no, this is wrong. No, you're going to get heart disease. And so to a certain extent, you have to be like very dedicated and like just focused on like doing you and doing the carnivore diet and sticking with it for a long period of time. I think a lot of the people that the diet attracts or people who get success using that mentality, then apply it to a lot of other new ideas like, you know, SIRS and other things, they're like, no, that's noise. I'm focusing on doing carnivore. Carnivore is all the thing, the only thing that matters, blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, it's really interesting, like the mentalities behind some of these things, um, because I agree it can be, it can be tricky and it's hard to like be intellectually honest with yourself and, and stay open-minded at the right times. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's not an accident that a lot of carnivores were plant-based before or vegan or vegetarian, yeah. right? It takes certain personalities. Yeah. And so all I am saying is, yes, the diet is right. And, but it's, let's be, all, but never stop learning. Like, that's my yeah. thing is I wanted it to be perfect. I wrote carnivore cure. I'm done. I'm just going to repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But when you have people that you work individually with and they, they put their hard earned money and it's not working enough. And then we we use supplements or protocols and that's not working enough. Then it's like, I, I refuse to go, well, I'm sorry. We just don't know how to fix you. It's like, well, let's go deeper. Let's dig deeper. Let's find yeah. other things. And it was through research that I found SIRS. There was no one that came to me with it. All the mold protocols of herbals and tinctures and this and that. I tried all of those and my clients weren't moving the needle with their mold illness through those urine tests. And it wasn't until I found SIRS and did blood work. And these people trusted me that it's like, Hey, I know this is kind of crazy. We're going out on a limb. I knew about SIRS years ago. And it was, we just privately in our clinic were testing people and then seeing healing. And that's when I went public with it. And it was like, I'll never just share like, Hey guys, I think this is a new magic pill, right? Like I won't share that until we've used it and tried it a little bit and then share, because I know that people are trusting us with our content and and, it, and it's people's hard-earned money. So I don't want to mess with people in that way unless we have data or proof that it actually works. And for some people, they can't get into a clean building. So it gets really tricky and nuanced, or they might have other co-infections like Lyme. And when you have an infection, you have to also treat that. So 
One really fascinating rabbit hole I've been getting into recently is with SIRS. What happens is just like with carnivore, it reduces your total inflammation in the body and your immune system starts functioning better. And people might start saying, I feel worse now on carnivore. And it might just be that your immune system is not in disarray anymore. And so it's getting rebalanced. And then all of a sudden the immune system is like, oh my gosh, there's a parasite in my body or there's a bacteria or there's something. And it finally is able to identify it because there's less noise. And so it might be showing you illness because maybe if you do another stool test or some other blood work, it'll show that you do have an infection, but it's been dormant because your immune system's been so in disarray, if that makes sense. So once you do a carnivore diet, it starts showing you, or if you lose uh, weight, right? So you, your fat stores a lot of toxins. So when you start reducing your weight and reducing fat cells, you might start releasing toxins that your body's like, cool, I can now remove it in my liver. And you might feel unwell and people just think it's a diet, but there's always more than just the diet. And so what we find with then in that same thought, in SIRS, sometimes a Lyme or Lyme co-infection went dormant. And then once you start balancing your immune system with SIRS, like removing the mold and removing all the cytokines, your Lyme infection will come back because your, your immune system finally notices it again, or it's in less dormancy. And so if you do another Lyme test at that time, it may show positive. And then you just need to do a Lyme protocol to remove that infection. So I just think healing is a multifactorial and I know it gets complicated and people want easy, but when you're really chronically ill, these are answers that people have been literally dying to look for. Yeah. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask yeah. you about, Judy, um, is in your bio, it says people's nutritionists. And you talk a lot about, um, you put out a ton of free content, like so much. And, you know, even your book is very cheap and immense amount of knowledge and resources in there for people. Can you talk about like your passion for making this more accessible to people? Because sometimes what I find is, you know, people will reach out to me with a very obscure um, health issue and they'll say, you know, who should I talk to? And I'll recommend doctors in this space and they'll say, you know, I can't afford a thousand, two thousand dollar consultation fees. Um, and I really want to help them. Um, so can you talk about like ways that folks who um, aren't as financially well off and are really struggling can find answers as well? Yeah. So the reason why, um, well, one, the people's nutritionist sounded catchy, but the what I try to do for a community of people that really know me is that I try to advocate for people, even though they don't see that I'm advocating for them, right? So even this mold illness, I mean, I just had somebody on that shared about why we think mold is not that harmful. And it's actually this really big conspiracy that's going on where um, workman's comp and insurance agencies don't want to pay out and acknowledge that they were sick because of them. So if they say mold is not that harmful, then they don't have to pay out as much. So it's all, it's like same thing with food and pharma. And I just think if we are aware of there's other evils in the space or money, you know, it's all about money then we can bring more healing. And so even if people are like, oh, Judy talks about liver being bad or vitamin A, and that doesn't affect me. And it probably doesn't affect everybody, but doing that for the community, even if I get shot at for it, that's where I felt like I am doing it for the people. It's truly like, it would be easier, like you said, if I just shared five carnivore things, like 
three things to have better sleep. Like those are way easier, but we choose, or I choose to talk about the fringes or the nuances, because I really ultimately want to make carnivore a more accessible diet that can really help more people. But so working with this one-on-one isn't the cheapest. We're not as expensive as a thousand, but we, that's why we try to marry that with doing the carnivore summit for free, right? If you had time, you could have watched all those resources for free. Uh, we, I have worked with a publisher and we're releasing a beginner's carnivore book. If you have ever released your own book, you will make way more money on that than publishing with the publisher. I solely did it so that people can have more accessibility to our content. And I was hoping they could distribute it wider and that they can cut breaks on printing compared to what we can do as a small shop. So I did that again for the people. And so I try to do these little things. And so my hope is that people can try carnivore relatively cheap, whether they do like those 30 day challenges, whether they get a book and they try to work on it on their own. We our food and mood journal, our carnivore cures elimination diet. We have resources, all of it's free. So if people can do that and then when it doesn't work, they can maybe then spend the money on like maybe groups and maybe uh, we're going to come out with the beginners group. It'll probably be like a hundred dollars a month where it's just, it's not enough that you need to work with us yet, but maybe you get our recommendations, right? Like more than just our YouTube videos. And we're trying to make it as accessible, but my bigger hope is again, working with just our carnivore community won't be enough. We need medical practitioners to learn about carnivore. And so that's where I think if we get studies out and if the studies help doctors and then they fit, figure out in their or own arsenal of toolbox, oh, maybe they need to use hydrochloric acid or something and that will get covered by insurance. That's the way to make this cheap and accessible and for the community. And so I get kind of emotional about it, but I, I really think that we can pave the way to get people to heal with carnivore, get it validated so that people aren't pressured by their doctors to get on statins. And hopefully this can be a lot more affordable. And just because someone's expensive or has a lot of followers um, in the wellness space does not mean that they have all the right answers. And that is something I've learned through the SERS community, through the carnivore community. It's just, there has to be a heart for wanting to help people get to root cause. We will not always find the answer, but at least if you're a step closer, I call that a win. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that's a great uh, message to end on, Judy. Where can folks find more about you, follow along, work with you if they want to, or find some of these excellent resources you put out? Yeah, so anything Nutrition with Judy, uh, we're on Twitter, all the major social media platforms. I'm probably most active on Instagram and YouTube. And then um, our website is where you can work with us, nutritionwithjudy.com. My book is Carnivore Cure. That's carnivorecure.com. We have a food elimination database called Nutriment. It's part of Carnivore Cure. And then we're releasing a beginner's guide to carnivore. So it's a more easily accessible. Um, there's a lot more tactical things that you can do through that beginner's guide. And that book is releasing. They said that it may actually release in November, but it's supposed to release January of 2024. Excellent. Well, I'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time today, Judy. It's a pleasure to speak with you and really, really appreciate it. Oh, always good chatting with you. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott My Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.